0: All right, turn your Bibles tonight to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to get there in a little bit. It's going to take us a little while to get there, because I want to give you some things by way of introduction. Uh, let me remind you, too, that um, obviously Sunday nights, we have not always had uh, the ability to have singing groups on Sunday night, and uh, we're moving closer toward that. We've had several of you do different things, but we want some more groups for Sunday night. I'd like to replace all of the, uh, the music on the CDs with, with groups, and if we can do that, uh, that'd be great. We have people in our church that can sing. We just need to fill them in with people that want to. So uh, if you're on the fence about it, then let us know. Let me know. Let my wife know, and we'll get you on the schedule, and uh, you can sing together with your family or whatever. So, um, But speaking of music, that's what we're talking about tonight. I, I was looking back, and I believe this is the 13th lesson, 13th message on music, and I'm um, uh, really only going to have one more after this we spent a lot of time talking about the basis of music and, of course, then why rock and roll music is wrong, and then moving into, and what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is is uh, the problem with contemporary Christian music, and I believe that that contemporary Christian music is is hollowing out the core of the modern American church and, and weakening, weakening it, very much so, and uh, having said that, it, it's also worth noting that I don't believe that, that all of those who, are, who, who who play contemporary Christian music or who maybe uh, would consider themselves to be part of contemporary Christianity are wrong if, they're, if they are preaching the message of the gospel. Now, there's many of them that are not. Um, and so there's, you know, I, I feel it's necessary to say that I do find some redeeming value in contemporary American Christianity uh, and the music scene, specifically in three areas. Um, and let me just give you those. Number one, I have a great appreciation for the genuine emotional passion that a lot of the uh, CCM, uh, I don't know if artist is the right word, but artists that the, that they bring to their music. For the life of me, I don't understand how a person who's been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and and has a song in their heart, has that new song, uh, knows about Jesus, knows about Calvary, understands what Jesus Christ has done for them, and, and knows you know so many other Uh, numerous scriptural principles and and themes has all the enthusiasm of a a wooden Indian, you know, when you get in church. And you see that happen so often. It's just music is dry and boring and people are not excited. You see no smiles on anybody's face. And and I'm not saying that that's the way that it is here. I, I I think that's an exception. But it happens often in a lot of places. How can you sing about the themes that we're singing about in our songs and not be excited about it, not be passionate about it? Um, and, and I've said it often, but music is an emotional language. I'm a Baptist. I'm not a charismatic, but just because I'm not going to allow emotions to rule me does not mean that I should not have any emotions at all. And I honestly think that's one of the problems with most, uh, oh, maybe I shouldn't say most, but a lot of independent Baptist churches, especially over the last 20 or 30 years. There's, there's no emotion. You're not allowed to show any kind of emotion. And obviously, we don't want to be controlled by our emotions, which is why we're not going to have a, a barking revival or a laughing revival or a, an outbreak of speaking in tongues or something like that. That's when you're controlled by your emotions. But to, to have emotions when you're singing about the grace of Christ or the love of Christ or the, the salvation that he's given us or any number of these other themes, to not have emotion when you're doing that is a huge detriment to what we're doing and why we're doing it, Right? And if you look in the contemporary Christian music side of things, uh, they're very emotional uh, to the point of being controlled by their emotions, but they're very emotional about it. I believe that there's everything right with having emotions during a song service. God made us emotional creatures because he's an emotional God, and we've been made in his image. He, uh, and, and you look at even Jesus Christ, but, but he rejoices, and so should we, right? He weeps, so should we. He loves fiercely and passionately, so should we. Fake emotions... While singing in church is inappropriate, but so is no emotion, right? And there's a lot of people who have the fake emotions, too. I've been on the other side of, of the independent Baptist spectrum where you have people who are shouting and hollering the entire service, and they can't even hear what's being said or preached or sung because they're hollering so much, right? There's, there's a ditch on both sides, but we need to keep that in the middle, and I think, you know, there's the other side of the coin where everybody sits there like this, afraid to say amen or anything else, or, or, or you know, raise a hand during a, a song when it's, you know, when, when it, is, it is about me and for me, right? Um, so I, I think some people would do well to take a page out of CCM's approach in that department. Billy Sunday said, uh, or used to say all the time, that if you're saved, you should tell your face, and I, and I think you should tell your voice at the same time. Uh, that's one of the things that I, I do appreciate about them is that they have a genuine emotional passion that they bring to their music. The second thing I can appreciate about them is, is for their desire to write new music. Um, it's, it's not a secret that I like the old music. My taste and my heart are drawn to songs that are the old hymns. They're the ones that are filled with doctrine, and, and I'm not... I'm not um, I'm not at all enthused about what they call the 7-Eleven songs, right? Seven words, 11 times. And that's what happens most often in a lot of these songs. There's no doctrine in it. There's no, uh, you know, it's, it literally is an emotional uh, effort to drum up people to, to kind of, really to kind of work them into a frenzy is exactly what it is. Uh, and that's why, you know, um, I just preached this funeral for the police officer that was killed and one of the songs that they picked, I, I went ahead, you know, I, I didn't have any choice in the song, in the song selection. Uh, Otherwise, there would have been completely different songs there at the funeral. But um, I went and listened to them ahead of time, at least so that I would be prepared for them. And I went and, you know, I couldn't even tell what the words were. So I went and looked them up. And literally, there was like two lines of one verse and a little bit of a chorus. And that just got repeated three times. I mean, that's a rock song or whatever you want to call it, whatever kind of genre that song was, but that's exactly the way that a lot of these contemporary Christian music songs are written. So I'm not saying that I necessarily appreciate the songs that are being written, but I do appreciate the fact that they, are, are, they have a desire to write new songs. Uh, but having said that, I am bound to admit that, that scripture clearly encourages God's people to sing a new song, right? Uh, that phrase is repeated almost word for word nine times in the Bible, sing a new song. Now, I've heard some on our side of the aisle say that new here means different. In other words, because uh, God's people should embrace a new kind of music after salvation, different than their old kind of music. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I agree with that. Your music should change after you get saved. Uh, once you become a child of God's, then the devil's music or music that sounds like the devil's music should not be part of your, uh, your, your playlist. But uh, I do think that, this, that, that that's not necessarily the proper interpretation of how the Bible is admonishing us scripturally in those passages. Revelation points out two times that new songs are sung in heaven, constantly. And in, the, in that context, I mean, there's nobody in heaven that's getting saved and singing a different song than they were singing earlier in heaven, right? So if the Bible is saying, sing a new song in heaven, then it's a new song. It's not just a different song. Um, new songs should be written for every generation, just like new, new sermons should be preached for every generation, right? As different things come up in, in different generations, and obviously there, I mean, look, there was no messages about Facebook and Instagram and all these other things 25 years ago, because there was no such thing, right? There was, no, there was no messages against some of the things that we see today, because they weren't even here. If I'm preaching messages that were relevant 25 years ago, and they're not relevant to today, then I'm, I'm, I'm not shepherding the way that I should be shepherding. And I think the same thing is true. There is a lot of value in the old songs, and we should keep singing those songs, but there's also value in new songs that are doctrinally correct, and, and our religion needs to be fresh. Contemporary Christianity is constantly writing new music, and as churches and it's musicians welcome those songs, and assuming that those songs are scriptural in their content, I think that it's, it's a genuine strength, and, and honestly, one that our side could do well to learn from. The third thing that I think that uh, contemporary Christian music carries with it, and probably the most important important uh, thing that contemporary Christian music has is that within its DNA it has a strong emphasis on praising the Lord and you know they even call their music praise and worship right uh, come join us for praise and worship because honestly that is what it does it, it is you know to me that this is this is excellent Praising the Lord is something that's emphasized hundreds of times in the Bible, but, is, but in particular in the Psalms, hundreds of times, and yet far too often uh, our circles pay that only lip service. Um, contemporary Christianity has more than its share of flaws, but this is not one of them. Passionately, uh, repeatedly, loudly praising uh, the Lord that, that bought them. And so our kind of churches, whether out of fear of emotionalism or lack of teaching or you know, whatever, they sing or they say, you know, praise the Lord every now and then and we're covered, right? Uh, Nothing could be further from the truth. Praising the Lord is not a phrase that you should recite occasionally. It's something that we should be constantly doing because we have a Lord to praise. And we're told constantly in the Bible to praise Him. Does that mean that I'm saying that, that CCM is good? No, but these are good elements of CCM. If there's any redeeming quality in it. Um, but I think those things can be very easily and readily incorporated into traditional church music without swallowing the massive amounts of, of damaging philosophy and practice that the, uh, that's contemporary Christian music thrives on. Those would be things that we could add that would be good benefits for us in our churches. Now, we don't need the driving rock beat to, to passionately sing new music, right? Uh, I'm talking about passion. I'm talking about new music. We don't need the driving rock beat to do that. We don't need that music to praise the Lord, and neither do they. And I feel sorry for them that they think that that's what they have to have to be able to add those elements into it. We don't need that. A lot of American Christianity has swallowed the hook of the world system because that hook was covered in the lure of church growth. And what happens is they've bitten into that thing hook, line, and sinker, uh, and then they get puzzled when the devil yanks it further and further away from the word of God. And wonder why they're moving farther and farther away from true, genuine Christianity. Go ahead, swallow that hook, but you know, pat the traditional church on the head and sigh and say, I feel so sorry for you guys that, that you're so opposed to change. We're glad that you preach Christ, but know this. We have thought through the music issue. The contemporary Christian music scene has been around for a long enough time that, that we can see where that leads, to know what, that, what the end of that is, to know that the ends do not justify the means. And where we are and not where you are for a whole lot of reasons. We plan to keep standing right here on the word of God, regardless of popularity, regardless of relevance, regardless of size, regardless of, of success or trends. Our audience is not the world, it's Jesus Christ. He's the one that we're aiming to please. And whether anybody else is pleased or not, if Jesus Christ is pleased with our music, then I'm fine with that. And if Jesus Christ is not pleased with it, then it doesn't matter who else is pleased, then we should not be fine with that. When it comes to our stand against contemporary Christian music, I full well realize that we are in the minority. And I think it would be, I don't think it would be intellectually honest for us to ignore the other side's supporting position in a debate or, or, or wave them off as not important. And so what I want to look at tonight, because honestly their, their arguments on their side are strong enough, at least to them, to drive thousands and thousands of people in that contemporary music. Contemporary church, contemporary Christianity direction, um, and so really more in the last fifteen or twenty years this has really taken place. But um, I've I've done a lot of reading on contemporary Christian music. I've done a lot of of studying on these contemporary churches and where they've gone. And I think I have a pretty decent understanding, at least a basic understanding of of the justifications that they use for contemporary Christian music in church. And so. Um, I really think that if you don't listen to these tonight, you're not going to be able to answer that argument intelligently about why we don't have contemporary Christian music. And I think that's what's eventually going to happen, is that that our kids will move in that direction. And if we can't tell them why we're not doing that, then this church will be very fully contemporary Christian music, contemporary Christianity, and everything else in just a matter of a few years. So I, I think the reason why so many churches have embraced it is because Our side, and I'm I'm using that in in a loose term, but our side has never given the reasons for why we don't buy into the contemporary Christian music. We've never given the reasons for why hymns are the way that we should go uh, and why why that's the way that we do them. And and their side does give reasons. They have a lot of reasons why they say that it's, it's right, and so combined with its fleshly attractiveness, it's embraced by thousands and thousands of people. So tonight... I want to give you just a few of the justifications for contemporary Christian music and then show you why they're really not justifications at all. First one is this. They say that music is amoral. Now, that word, that letter "a" ah, before anything means no. So when you think about uh, amusement, right? No musing, no thinking. That's why you go do something that's amusing, right? So when you say that something is amoral, it means that it has no morals to it. And so what they say essentially is that Um, all styles of instrumental music are morally neutral until lyrics are added to them. So it doesn't matter if you're playing a rock song. It's not a rock song. It's not wrong until you put bad words with it. Then it's a rock song and then it's bad. If you take a rock song and you put Christian lyrics with it, the music itself is not what makes it good or bad. It's the words that make it good or bad. Um, And the logical extension of that, then, is that any kind of musical style has to be deemed appropriate for a church service. As long as you're putting some Christian words with it, then it doesn't matter what kind of music it is. Music, they say, is amoral. Music has, there's no moral to the the way that the music plays. So the only bar, then, is the personal taste of the main demographic of the people in your service. So how can you say that it's wrong, then, for uh, somebody to get up and, and rap a Christian song? Happens all the time. In fact, uh, there was a church in Richmond, a church in Richmond, who if you go to their website, uh, and, and by the way, these things always crumble. The pastor ended up, ended up facing charges, serious charges down in Texas and got arrested, and he's sitting in jail in Texas right now uh, because this stuff always falls apart. But his son, his son's claim to fame that is that he's rapped on stage with, and I, I don't even know, but like 50 Cent or one of these popular rappers. And that's what he does in the service. His part of the, the music service is to get up there and rap Christian songs. Oh, you can't rap a Christian song? Why not? If music is amoral, it's only the lyrics that make the song good or bad. So if you're rapping a Christian song, then what, what's wrong with it? Right? Are you telling me that you have a line that you draw somewhere? Right? Oh, it's not a rock song. It's not a. Just because it has a heavy metal beat, I, I went to a funeral. And maybe, Kevin, I don't know if you were a part of this or not. It was like probably close to five years ago. And uh, the guy that was there was big time into a group called the Disciples. I'd never even heard of them before. Heavy metal Christian rock. And the, the guys that were singing were screaming their heads off so loud, I couldn't even tell what the words were. But every once in a while, you heard Jesus or God or something like that. Now, how can you say that it's wrong? If you really believe that music is unmoral, well, there's nothing wrong with it. The, the words are Christian; it's not the music that makes it bad. It's the words that make it bad. So if you take any kind of music and put Christian lyrics with it, then it's okay. That's 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 where that extension leads. Now, there's a lot of churches who would say, "No, you can't rap a Christian song. No, you can't do death metal in church." But if you take that out to its full extension, then why not? If music is amoral and it's only the lyrics, then you have to accept any kind of music that's being played as long as it's got Christian lyrics with it. Music alone, apart from lyrics, is inherently emotional. It's how feelings sound. We talked a lot about that, so I'm not going to take the time to do that. But declaring music to be amoral ignores the educated judgment of music experts and serious thinkers going back thousands of years. And I'm not going to bore you with quotes but you can go to Google and you can look up quotes from hundreds and even thousands of years ago by some of these uh, um, Confucius, and, and, and honestly, even Confucius is one of the ones that, that I've read a quote from, but uh, somewhere there are quotes is that various musical styles have an inherent moral character. People have been saying that for hundreds and even thousands of years. In fact, the only historical reference prior to the rise of contemporary Christian music that says that music is amoral that I could find anywhere is one relatively obscure 19th century German philosopher who said that music was amoral. Everyone else said that music inherently has moral qualities to it. Um, In and of itself, it's not conclusive. It should give the, the CCM proponent pause. Somebody who is in favor of CCM should think, wow, if everybody for thousands of years has said that music is not amoral, then maybe I should rethink this. Essentially, the amorality of music is a justification largely invented whole cloth by the contemporary Christian music movement. They're not the only ones that have ever said that, but they're the ones that, that really have made it popular because they're trying to find a justification for why they can do rock music in church and put Christian words with it. They're the ones that invented that idea that music is amoral, and it's almost entirely new in human, human history, and that should bother anybody. But I've only ever found two books that have, that have been entire books that have defended contemporary Christian music. There's lots of parts of books that defend it, but two entire books, and one of them was written by a Presbyterian by the name of John Frame, and, and in it, after saying that music is amoral, he follows it up with this. This is not to say that every popular music style with Christian words is suitable for worship. You can't say that. You don't get the freedom to say that when you just said that music is immoral. Either everything is good or there is some music that is bad. You cannot have it both ways. And you cannot say that music is immoral and then turn around and say that some of it's inappropriate, even, even if you pair it with Christian lyrics. So go ahead at, at your next, you know, communion. Play death metal music and, and say that it's appropriate, right? Oh, no, you can't, you can't do that, especially with communion. Why not? Why not? You're putting Christian lyrics with it. What's wrong with it? Ah, so what you're admitting to me then is that music is not immoral. There is some morality to music. You just have your standard laid so low on what you will allow and what you will not allow that you're saying some of it's okay, but you're readily agreeing that some of it's not, which means you don't even believe that music is immoral. They... The, the idea that music is our moral violates all of the accumulated evidence of, of the deep connection between a beat-heavy music and, and demonic presence. And again, I'm not going to go into all this stuff that we talked about, uh, but to try to use that type of music for distinctly Christian purposes is, is very unscriptural, to say the least. And, and that's essentially both the definition of contemporary Christian music and the main root of my objection to a contemporary Christian music. I've read too much, I've watched too much, I've seen too much. The connection is very blatant and it's very appalling between rock music and demonism, between rock music and the occult, between rock music and all those other things that come along with it that the inventors and founders of rock music very readily admit to and then trying to put that same stuff with Christian music. Now let me show you one passage here. You're in 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm not going to take the time to read the whole passage, but in 1 Samuel 16... We find some interaction between a still young man, David, and a relatively older man in King Saul, right? His leader. And Saul was was in an agitated state, to say the least, because of demonic oppression. And he finds solace in the simple, flowing music of David's harp. And we see this in the last verse in that passage, verse 23. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took an harp and played with his hand so Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. What was present? A demon, right? The evil spirit. What drove it away? Instruments. Instrumental music played in a flowing manner. Right? There was no lyrics with it. It was the music itself. If... if all instrumental music is immoral, then how come a demon was forced to run away from instrumental music alone? And we see other passages that are like that in the Bible as well. I'm not gonna continue on with that, but that's one of their justifications, and there is no justification in saying that music is immoral, because very clearly, it is not. And even most of them would agree that actually, in the end, it's not. Because you can't just play any and every style of music, put a Christian word to it, and say that it's okay. Even they have boundaries, which means that even they are admitting that music really is not immoral. The second justification, and these will be quicker, that they find is that CCM rescues church music from being dry, dull, and boring. Larry Norman, he was one of the early Christian rock pioneers. He's, he had a hit, Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music, in 1972. And honestly, 1972 was very early into the contemporary Christian music movement. But get, get the words to this song. I want the people to know that he saved my soul, but I still like to listen to the radio. They say that rock and roll is wrong, give you one more chance. I said I feel so good I got to get up and dance. I know what's right and I know what's wrong. I don't confuse it. Well, all I'm really trying to say is why should the devil have all the good music? They say to cut my hair. They're driving me insane. I grew it out long to make room for my brain, but sometimes people don't understand What's a good boy doing in a rock and roll band? There's nothing wrong with playing blues licks. I've got a good reason. Tell me to my face, why should the devil have all the good music? Nothing wrong with what we play, because Jesus is the rock, and he rolled my blues away. I ain't knocking the hymns, just give me a song that has a beat. I ain't knocking the hymns, give me a song that moves my feet. That's where that started. He was one of the early pioneers of contemporary Christian rock, uh, contemporary Christian music which essentially is contemporary Christian rock, whatever you want to call it. But, but, but Jesus is the rock, and he rolled my blues away. Do you know how, how blasphemous that is? How disrespectful that is to Jesus Christ, right? Now, I'm the first one to admit that I've, I've been in a whole lot of boring church services, right? Uh, uh, and that's one of their justifications. Well, we're rescuing the church service from being dull and dry and boring, you know, and I, I'm not going to admit, however, that the, cure, that the cure for that is a driving rock beat added to the, to the song, right? Uh, the cure for a boring church service is to develop a real and vital relationship with Jesus Christ. You have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You have people that are on fire for God. It's not going to be a dull, boring, dry church service. It'll be exciting. The people will be excited to sing. And, uh, it, you know, genuine scriptural content is only boring to people that are similar to the the, those that Jesus described in Matthew chapter 13. and You can turn over there if you want to, but verse 15 says this. For this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, I should heal them. See, the solution here is not to shake up the church service by turning it into the Christian equivalent of a nightclub. The solution is to build in God's people a genuine uh, hunger for God. You do that and nothing scriptural is ever gonna be boring again. So a justification, well, we're making the sur- church service not dry and boring. Look, the church service won't be dry and boring if you're singing hymns, if those hymns are uh, sung out of hearts of praise by people who really have a genuine love for God. Here's number three, their third, uh, and turn over to John chapter eight. We'll get there in a second. But a third justification that, that CCM proponents will say is that their music gets a lot of people saved their music gets a lot of people saved they say that their kind of atmosphere is more comfortable for somebody that's lost um, and and that uh, after drawing him in that way he's it's it's easier to lead him to Christ we got him into this environment it's a lot more comfortable for them now we can give them the message of the gospel and they'll actually accept it because this is this is comfortable they like this my response to that is, is really is twofold. Number one, there's zero indication given in the New Testament that, that corporate music or church music is to be used as a way to reach the lost. Now, I'm not saying that a song cannot be sung that would get somebody that's not saved thinking about what Jesus Christ has done for them and accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior, but... Uh, there, there are two specific passages that indicate the purpose of music in the church service, and both, both of them say that it was given for edification. It was not, it's not given. Music is not sung in church to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Music is there to edify the believers who are in that church service, right? Um, and number two, I, I'm not willing to, to concede, if you will, that contemporary Christian music types of churches actually do get more people saved. Uh, they say that. I think they get more people into a room, but that's not the same thing. In fact, I, there's, there's lots of different churches I think that we could use as examples of this, but one of them is, is called Granger Community Church. It's actually in Muncie, Indiana. And I think it's very fair to say that that church typifies American Christianity, American contemporary Christianity, and its approach to how they do church. Every week they gather a, a crowd of thousands of people, but I find it interesting um, that by their own self-confessed surveys, if you will, most of the people in their church are not saved. They did in 2008, and this goes back a few years, I know that, but they, 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 had a, uh, they, they took their, their regular Sunday crowd and they gave a, um, a uh, survey and asked just a couple simple questions. And what they found out is that 47% of the people in their regular Sunday crowd did not believe in salvation by grace. And 56% of the people in that same crowd did not believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. 56. Now, I, I, look, I admit that there are probably people, maybe not in here tonight, but people that come in on Sunday mornings that are not saved, that sit through service after service. But over 50% of the people in your church admit that they believe that Jesus is not the only way to heaven, you're not winning people to Christ. You're not, you're not winning. I don't know what you're winning them to, but I'm just not convinced at all that the modern contemporary movement is reaching people for Jesus Christ. They're reaching people, but not, not to Jesus. Results are never a scriptural measuring stick. Obedience is. Just because you're getting people in the door does not mean that you're doing what God wants you to do. And we talked about that, pragmatism. The ends do not justify the means. I mean, we'll leave it there. John chapter 8 and verse 29 says this. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. The contemporary Christian music crowd is not pleasing to him. And if you have to do that to get people in, then he's not pleased by it. And look, what happens is most of those people come in. They feel like they've had this wonderful experience. Man, I did church today. I worship God today, and they walk out, and they don't even have any idea what that means. They don't have, they're not any closer to accepting Jesus Christ than they were when they walked in. Number four, those who have, are proponents of contemporary Christian music uh, will have the fourth justification is that their use of that music is their own personal preference. And they say that, that they're just exercising their Christian liberty. They don't mind if I prefer to sing the old hymns, but they ask that I give them that same uh, honor in their preference to do the opposite. And, and I think what that position assumes is that music in the Christian's life and in the church service is simply a matter of, matter of personal preference and style. And we've talked enough about music that I hope you understand that it's not just a matter of preference. It's not just a matter of style. It assumes that God doesn't give us any musical uh, any musically related principles in Scripture. Uh, that assumption is incorrect. Um, in other words, that justification rests on the premise that God does not express his thoughts about good music, his thoughts about bad music in the Bible. And that's just, it's just a faulty premise. It's not just a preference. There are principles of music in the Bible. There's music that is good music, and there's music that's not good music. Men and women have been using the, the concept of Christian liberty to shield their fleshly desires for thousands of years. Well, I can do that because I have the liberty in Christ to do that. Look, how many times does the Bible say, yes, we're under grace, but we shouldn't use grace as an excuse to sin. We shouldn't use grace as an excuse to go do the things that, we, that make our flesh happy just because we can do them and we're still covered under grace, Right? Uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Just because you label your choice in that way in no way removes me from the responsibility to express biblical, re- biblical truth regarding your inept justification. And that's exactly what it is. You can call and, and, and uh, claim personal liberty all you want to, But personal liberty cannot violate biblical principles, and that's exactly what that music is doing. Number five, contemporary Christian music, they say, is just a new method, and all methods were new at some point, right? Well, hey, you know, fundamentalist Bible thumper man, you're using uh, microphones in your church, aren't you? They didn't used to use microphones 100 years ago. Oh, you're using electricity, right? They didn't used to use electricity in the church. Everything was new at some point. All right, And I agree with them, it is, it is. but that, that, that position tries to paint the conservative Christian, if you will, as, as hypocritical in using things in a church that were once contemporary themselves. Uh, and I do agree, but a, but a PA system is just increasing the volume, right? It's, it does not change the fabric of the church service. Same thing with electricity, they, they simply let you see what you used to need candles to see. So... They don't change the character of the church service, let alone the underlying philosophical approach of the church entirely. And, and that's why CCM is entirely different, and that, and that argument doesn't hold water. It's not just a new method. It dramatically alters the philosophy and the practice of the, the entire church service, and, and really of the entire church. I'm not being hypocritical, but you're comparing apples to elephants. I mean, they're two completely different things to say that, well, everything that you use now was new at some point, Right? I mean, those are two totally different things to try to compare to. CCM is not just a physical addition to church buildings uh, that we have in a service, it's a worldly change to the character of the church service itself. Last one, and we'll be done very soon. The sixth reason that they use, or uh, the sixth thing that they use as a justification, is that they point to the Bible and they say that the instruments that they, they use are nowhere forbidden in Scripture. Uh, And they're correct. They're not. Scripture mentions in a positive sense stringed instruments, right? Mentions in a positive sense brass and wood and percussion instruments being used in God's service, which changes nothing. The problem that I and so many other conservative Christians have with CCM is not the instruments themselves. It's the way that those instruments are being played in that church service. You know, obviously we we have the piano. Wednesday night we have a guitar, but it's not... It's not, a, uh, it's not played in a rock style, right? We'll have other instruments that we add as people get better at what they're practicing, especially some of the younger kids, right? We're going to add those into the service. Nothing wrong with the, with the instruments themselves, but something could be wrong with the way that they're being played, so we've got to make sure that they're being played in a way that is honoring and pleasing to the Lord. To me, scriptural teaching is clear. and An overemphasis on rhythm in music produces bad effects in both the musician and person that's listening to that music. In other words, it's not the instruments themselves that, that uh, uh, you know, CCM sees as wrong or, or not wrong, and I agree with them, the instruments themselves are not wrong, it's, it's the way that they're being played that's wrong. And so, I think it's worth repeating that, that uh, true brethren in churches that have contemporary Christian music are not evil, they're not the enemies of the cross of Christ, if they truly are preaching the message of the gospel, um, but they are, many of them, measuring their success on growth in the church. And because the church is growing, then we must be doing something that's pleasing to God. And that's not, that's not necessarily the case, because sincerity and growth aren't the same measurement. Um, obedience to the precepts, and the principles of Scripture is the measurement. Their approach to church is is really, it's short-sighted, it's illogical, it's, it's untested, it's scripturally ignorant, and honestly, as I've said several times, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous, and that's why in our church, we firmly reject contemporary Christian music. You start moving down that road, and you start getting further and further away from Scripture. And it's like I mentioned, when you, when you buy into that thing hook, line, and sinker, and the devil starts pulling it further and further away from the Word of God, you have to follow it or you get ripped to shreds, right? And obviously, they're not willing to do that because now that would mean less numbers and everything else. And so they just follow that hook wherever it leads, and the devil's pulling them further and further away from true Christianity, further and further away from true Scripture, And the next thing you know, they end up, churches like, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the name of the church? Bill, um, can't think of it now. Uh, Purpose Driven Life. Is it Bill? Rick Warren. Rick Warren. And churches like Bill Hybels. That's who I was thinking of. Churches like uh, Elevation. And churches like uh, uh, this Hillsong. Uh, There's a whole, I I haven't seen it, but I've seen uh, a little advertisement for um, I forget what network, some, some popular A&E or one of these other ones is doing a big series on the downfall of Hillsong. I mean, that, that's pretty sad when, when you know, uh, worldly, God-hating networks are, are writing uh, documentaries about the downfall of Hillsong, right, and, and what led to the downfall and all that other stuff. But that's where it always leads. That's where it always leads. Well, look, God's blessing them there. They got crowds coming out of everywhere. I mean, people are coming by the thousands to hear the message of the gospel. Number one, they're not preaching the gospel. But number two, it is always going to come crumbling down at some point. It cannot last when you move down that road. It will always come crumbling down. And that's why we are determining here in our church that we're going to stay true to the principles of the word of God. We're going to stick with the old hymns that teach the doctrines and preach the doctrines and And, uh, uh, you know, uh, help us to understand the the doctrines of the faith that we've always stood upon. And we're not going to get away from that. Is it wrong to have a new song? No. In fact, we we need to have more good Christians writing good Christian songs. There's a lack of that in independent Baptist churches. There's a lack of passion in a lot of independent Baptist churches. There's a lack of a lot of things that need to change in independent Baptist churches. But the way to, to solve that problem is not to go down that contemporary road because it comes with a whole lot of other things with it. And most of them, if not all of them, lead away from scripture, away from a a solid relationship with Christ, away from the truth of God's word. And that's not a road that I'm willing to take. And I know that most of you are in the same boat and I hope you'll always stay in the same boat with me. Um, Next week, we're gonna talk, we're gonna have one more week about this. Actually, I think Ninton's gonna preach for us next week. Week after that, we'll kind of, we'll conclude this uh, series on music and uh, just give you some kind of some final thoughts and some things that will help us in our own church music and in our own church. Um, and I think that'll be helpful for us as well. But let's pray, and then uh, we'll sing our song and be dismissed. Brother Josh, this could be the day, all right? Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word. I pray that, it, that it's helpful to us. I pray that, that we can... Uh, learn from these principles, that we can build off of these principles, and that our music can be pleasing to you so that our, our church services can be pleasing to you, and that everything that we do in our lives can be pleasing to you. God, we want to be as close to the word of God as we possibly can, and there may be some value in some of this kind of music or maybe some tiny little thing that we could take here and there, but we want to be as close to the word of God as we possibly can be. And so I pray that you help us, not out of pride, but out of a sense of, of love for you, out of a sense of awe. Uh, wanting our relationship with you to be right, that we would just get rid of anything that we need to get rid of in our lives, and our homes, so that we can be as close to you as we possibly can be. And God, we pray that you'll use us. We pray that you'll use our church to reach this community for you. So thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and stand. We'll close.
1: This could be the day that the Lord
0: the day that he calls his children home, so be faithful in service.